um, first of all, that it is a joke that we didn't see the race and that we had to watch amateur footage from a Twitter live stream and a GPS. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I will be talking about the second day of the European Championships Cyclocross held in Rosmalen or Sertogenbosch. I am joined by Twan, just like yesterday. Hello. And I'm also joined by Issam. Hey, everybody. Issam, where were you yesterday? We missed you. Uh, yeah, work. work. Uh, it was work that um, that didn't allow me to have a day off to watch the race. So, um, yeah, it was, it was not going to be suitable to join you guys um, watching a two minutes um, <laughs> highlight video of, of what happened. So I gave you, uh, I gave you the booth. <laughs> Well, at least you're here today. Tell us what happened in the men's race because it was a decent race. It, it was it was indeed a decent race. Um, before we go to that, um, I have to say the first lap, um, I wasn't able to, sh- to, to watch it. Um, and I think many Belgians were as well because on the Belgian broadcast, our southern neighbors, um, they just didn't show the first lap. They thought that the news, what they normally show was more important. So... Thank you, Sporza, for not showing the first lap. Uh, but after that, we I think they, they joined us in eight minutes. We could see uh, what happened in the race, and we saw Tonarts actually in uh, in front. Uh, we heard from the commentators that he was trying to force something in the first lap. Uh, he didn't want to give the lead away uh, because he was, I think, a little bit scared for tactical plays. Uh, but then it was Van Turenhout who took over. Uh, and, and, you know, Iserbeet um, made a mistake in lap two. Um, then Tone was trying to force something, didn't work out, and then it was actually Iserbeet and Van Turnout who were on his wheels. Iserbeet accelerated, you know, and then it was Van Turnout who stayed in the wheels, but for Tone it was just, I think, a bad day. He couldn't follow, wasn't able to follow, and he just lost terrain, uh, train. Uh, I think then it was Swake, um, who was in the wheel, Van der Haar, who had a very bad start. Uh, who was chasing in third place, and then it was Swake and Van der Haar who actually tried to close in that gap with, of course, uh, there was Philippe Orts as well who was there, close by. Uh, Arts was losing out big time, and then it was actually, we were focusing on Iserbeet and Van Turen out in front for, for victory. Um, but, you know, it was pretty clear that Iserbeet was the stronger guy, um, and he was also able to, in the, I think, the end of the sixth lap, he was able to break Van Turen out uh, and just go with victory. It was in the end Van Turenhout who was second, and Lars van der Haar running up the top three in the European Championship of uh, Sertog Hombos. So Isabit, he was uh, clearly the strongest today. He's actually been the last couple of weeks. Is there anything uh, that others could have done against him? Because he really looked way stronger than the rest. No, he was untouchable today. Uh, it, it was, I think... You can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it was one of his most dominating races at a, at such a level, especially this season. I'm not sure about other seasons because last year he also had some few very dominating races, but today he just looked so much in control. Knew what he was doing from the get-go. and you know The first few laps were a little bit scrappy, but then after that he took control. He looked to be the, to be the destined winner as well. I don't know uh, what you think about this one, but... It looked to be like the Belgians, and especially inside the team of Paul Sauzer Bingo, that they really wanted Isabit to take the win. Yeah, I think we saw that with uh, one of the early crashes of Isabit. 
you saw that Tonarts tried to put on the pressure and you saw Michael Van Turenhout really looking behind as to where Iserbeet was and I think he really tried to suppress the tempo a little. Um, I don't quite agree that this is one of the most dominant races I have seen from Iserbeet. Um, he might have looked in control but there were also certainly moments where I thought this might just be one of those crazy days where someone like uh, Van Turenhout in today's case has just one of the days of his career and is going to take it here. Especially because Van Turnhout looked uh, particularly strong inside the sand sections. He often was distanced before them, but then managed to close the gap in the sand sections by riding a lot further in them than Iserbeet. Luckily for Iserbeet, he could create a gap at some point, because otherwise I think uh, Van Turnhout could have made a difference there. Uh, I think... Uh, the sand sections were really hard. Uh, I think I've only seen Van der Haar get through one of them. Uh, Von Tugendhout certainly indeed was able to do a really good job. Although I think the running level at the Elite Men's is so high that it doesn't make as much of a difference as it would uh, in other categories. Well, Van der Haar, you already mentioned him that he was one of the only ones to actually be able to ride through the sand pit. But Van der Haar, he was chasing the entire race because he messed up his start. He was behind uh, Kuhn and uh, Suarez Fernandez. Not names you want to be behind if you want to compete for the title. Was pretty far back. In my opinion, he really wasted a golden opportunity here to have a shot at the European title because I think he could have been able to follow Isubit. Yeah, I think that you see that in the chase. Uh, he uh, Once he is gone from that group behind, he doesn't lose at all to Iserbeet and Van Turenhout even comes closer and it's just the guy is in amazing form and it's really unfortunate for him that he had such a bad start and couldn't capitalize on it today with a European title. Yeah I think as well you could see it in the chase he he didn't lose that much time I think in the end it you know it started to count a little bit probably as well the chase trying to get closer and uh, he started to lose you know second two seconds each lap um, but overall he was very uh, competitive and equal to Iserbeet's pace you know and I think definitely if he didn't have the problems he would have been almost 100% sure of a second place uh, and maybe there was even more but he's indeed in tremendous form and it's a shame that he couldn't capitalize on that form indeed and for him the Time looks to be ticking as well. I don't know how many more opportunities there will be for him to be able to uh, grab a title. I don't think that uh, it's been announced where the race is going to be held next year. But depending on where it is and on the parkour, it could be his last chance. Yeah, with 2022 uh, probably going to um, Namur, that really isn't a parkour that I think suits him all that well. So indeed, 2021... Uh, hopefully for him is a decent parkour, otherwise this would have been his last opportunity. Well, actually, as I say that, he isn't even that old, he's only 29. He just looks to be in the field, competing at the front for, like, forever. I remember, like, in 2012 or 13, that he was already competing uh, with for the World uh, for the World Cup against uh, Philip Walsleben. He isn't even that old, so... It might have been a bit too early to conclude that this this or next year could be his last chance because 29, I think he can easily compete at the front until like 20, uh, 32, 33. I mean, yes, he, he could be able to, to, you know, to be able to compete in the next few years at, at a very high level. 
but it's gonna be harder and harder and that's you know that's the problem you have this youth coming up um that is extremely strong and actually pretty you know also with a lot of guys you know that are able to to to, to get to a very high level so um, you know it's maybe a little bit too early to say this is his last chance because of someone of 29 years old is uh you know it's a very big statement to make but it's definitely going to be one of his last chances uh, i don't think he's going to get a lot more so he you know uh, it's a shame that he couldn't uh, make use of it yeah i just thought he was older i thought he was already uh 32 but that's because he's been around in the field for so long but i want to talk about his teammate tone arts where was he today i mean i saw him in the beginning of the race he was at the front he crashed it really wasn't his day i think um we did discuss it i think in the, um, the last race in the koppenberg that he was um that we were discussing if he was maybe a little bit too overconfident or um thinking that he that he can uh, break the other guys from uh, from the power thousand team um and I, I think today was exactly the same he, he was thinking that he was better he was better than than he was you know uh, he was worse than he expected i guess uh, he was trying to do a tactic what i was thinking like dude come on you can <laughs> sit in the wheels just try to be a little bit smarter tactical but don't throw away that many energy you know it's a championship it's not a super prestige or uh, an x2 or badkamers trophy or something it's it's you know it's some it's for a jersey so you have to take it a little bit more tactical i think he just you know over overestimated his own performance and failed in what he wanted to achieve uh, i i think tone arts is no longer the best rider so far this season i think elizabeth is now taking charge of that one and I really want to see Tone Arts do better than this in the next weeks. Otherwise, I think he is base. He has basically fallen back to the level of Van Turenhout and Van der Haar, um, losing to both of those. Or no, he didn't lose to uh, Van Turenhout last week. But he really isn't a clear second person in the field for me anymore either. Uh, I think he has really. He is missing something and he is still a little bit too confident of his abilities, uh, which is uh, making him do not all too smart tactical stuff. Well, he should already try and turn around the, the swing of momentum that Isabit has at the moment. Uh, this Wednesday when they're racing in the Super Prestige of Nieuw at the Jaarmarkt Cross. And he definitely should try and get uh, something uh, going there because you're right, he's... He had that that um, those three weeks where he won in a row, or was it two? I don't really remember. He had the, he had the good races there, winning in Gito, of course. But since then, he's fallen back uh, quite a lot, and he doesn't look to be the same rider either. Yeah, he's. I mean, Koppenberg was something where we were thinking, okay, this is uh, this is gonna be the battle, you know, and uh, it's it's more uh, a race that suits him. Uh, but he was actually losing even more terrain, uh, terrain and even losing out to Lars van der Haar as well, uh, which actually also showed the momentum van der Haar was having that, that week. Uh, and um, Yeah, it, you know, we don't know what the situation is, what is going on physically, maybe there is some, um, maybe a, a week that didn't go well, um, an illness, we don't know. So, 
it's a little bit hard to say that um, this is going to to be how how the season will look like for for the rest. But uh, it's not looking good for Tonarts, and I think especially mentally, it's going to be like fuck. I, I you know, uh, I was so good, and now Easterbeat is just uh, way better at this point. Let's take a look at the entire top ten. Then we have Eli Easterbeat who won in front of Van Tournout and Van der Haar. Just outside the podium we find Laurens Zweig in 4th, then Tonart, who we just talked about, in 5th. Dan Suter, another Belgian guy, finishes 6th. Then we find the first guy who isn't from the Low Countries, and that's Felipe Ort, who finished 7th. Quinten Hermans ended 8th. Then we have Joshua Dubo in 9th, and Vincent Baastaans in 10th. Well, when we look at this top 10, I mean, a couple names stand out, and especially the names of Ort and Dubo. It's good to see them in the top 10, which means that the top 10 for once at a championship isn't filled with just Dutch and Belgian guys. Yeah, I think that's also uh, due to a very disappointing performance from Van Kessel as well. Uh, of course, we are still missing quite a few guys, but it is very nice to see these two names in the top 10 indeed. Yeah, it's also good for the internationalization of, of, of cyclocross in general. Um, you know, we, uh, to be honest, I expected uh our spanish friend to be uh to be up there in the top 10 you know he's he has showed it in this type of you know races that he was always able to 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 be to be up there now he did it again uh joshua dubois i don't know about you guys it's a little bit of a surprise for me to be in the top 10 to be honest um but but it's very good to see those guys there it's a surprise for me as well to see him in the top 10 but i know his name i've seen him around for a super long time i remember him uh, i mean in the under 23 categories coming into the elite in the under 23 category he was he was a talent he podiumed some of the world cups and that does show that you have talent he top 10 the world championships in bls and i think we can see something now because in bls orts and it's second dubo and it's sixth this is kind of the guys that from this that World Cup in the under-23, that they are uh, now becoming some names that you see in the top 10 often. Because Orts, second there, Dubot, sixth there, Thijs Aars also rode, um, rode a decent race. I mean, he ended 16th. Elie Isabit, who had a bad race there in BLS uh, because of some crashes into some ice water, 17th there, now wins. Those are some... Those is about, that's about like the year those guys from that year those are the guys now making the races and they are the guys that we will see in the top 10 hopefully in the future when the older generation stops yes definitely it shows that there is a generation switch going on in um in the world of cyclocross and it's only good to see i mean um it's it's always um it's always fun and uh, good to see uh, new names uh, popping up on uh, in the top 10 and um yeah, I just wish that that we would see that a little bit more regularly as well on the um, the classification races in Belgium in general, uh, because that would make the races also a little bit more important in my opinion. Yes, and I mean let's not go into that too big, but the super prestige they used to also have races outside of Belgium, slash Netherlands. They used to have a race in France or in Switzerland and. As they shift more towards Belgium, it becomes harder for people from outside of Belgium to actually um, compete in 
those events because they don't live there and it's a big travel for them every week to go to Belgium. So I think that that certainly isn't helping the internationalization of the sport, but let's not stick into that too deep because then we can still be talking here in one hour because there's certainly a lot you can say about that. Earlier in the morning, there was also a woman under 23 race and normally we would have Twan give you the summary of this second race, but uh, there wasn't a broadcast of this. Twan was sleeping. Uh, Isam and I did it with some footage that there was uh, on Twitter and the live ticker. So uh, I'm going to give you a short summary of that race. It was Shirin van Anroy who took the head start. She went into the field first and she put up a pretty high pace and she opened a small gap of around 7 seconds. But after a few laps she was caught and that meant that there was a group of 6 leaders. This contained of 4 Dutch women, a Hungarian and an Italian. And it was Puk Pietersen who in this group attacked with I think around 2.5 laps to go and opened a gap of 10 15 seconds, something in that range, and the group behind them started to fall apart, to fall apart, but uh, there were three women there in that group um, behind Bakker, Van Alphen and Vos who stood out. Vos then going into the last lap uh, attacked from that group and she came pretty close to Pietersen, five seconds at some point, but Pietersen then accelerated a bit and extended her gap and went on to clinch the European title cyclocross, which is... A surprise, as first years under 23 to get that title. But on the other hand, she's a big talent. Last year she became European champion as well, but then it was in the under-19 category. The juniors, Cataplanca Vaz ended second, and it was uh, Manon Bakker who ended third. What do we have to say about this race? Um, first of all, that it is a joke that we didn't see the race and that we had to watch amateur footage from a Twitter live stream and a GPS. I think, you know, for the association of, of the European uh, cyclocross thing, that is just a little bit amateuristic to not show the women under 23. Um, it's, yeah, I, I have actually no words for it. It's a little bit, it's, it's very bad. Um, and it's also very bad that I didn't hear that much commotion about it uh, in the media as well. That that was kind of normal. Uh, that that it didn't that it wasn't broadcasted. So, I mean, that was a shame uh, about the results. Um, yeah, Peterson was actually you know she did look very good in the Koppenberg. Of course, very big talent. Um, but it's very impressive from her to you know first year in under twenty three and getting a European Championship. Um, Cataplanca Vaz, who you know, I was looking forward to to see uh, in the race, uh, which I didn't see, but only on the tracker, who was um, you know in second place, actually breaking up that woman domination there, uh, which I also um, liked as well. You know, um, it's it's very good to see also other nations coming in, in play and very young uh, rides and you know looking forward to see what she's gonna do in the future, especially. Yeah, I definitely agree on the first part you said uh, about that it's pretty sad that there isn't uh, a broadcast because they said, yeah, the cameras weren't on, but it's a choice you make. You choose to put those cameras on for the men on the 23 race. You can also choose to put them on for the women on the 23 race if you want a broadcast. I think for the U23 men's race, they said it was mostly for testing, um, which, I mean, fair enough, but I... I really like seeing those U23 races. Um, I like I, I get it when people don't broadcast junior races, 
but even those like at the world championships are always a load of fun to watch and i think it's really unfortunate that we miss out on something like this and even um the super prestige this year they posted uh, the cameras are on in the super prestige for the youth races they don't broadcast them they show highlights sometimes in the broadcast but on youtube they just posted the full videos of it for people who do want to see it and that's definitely the way to go um but about the race isam and i we what we saw was that puck peterson was clearly the strongest she said the pressure wasn't on me and that really helped me and i agree she rode a good race and then won in front of kata blanca vas we saw manon bakker in third let's take a look at the rest of the top 10 it was anik van alve in front of van androy and fem van empel those are three dutch girls as well completing places four to six then we see uh, a couple of Italians, uh, Baroni and Casaola. Okay, that's definitely not how you pronounce it. But anyway, then we have Anna K in ninth, and the tenth place went to another Italian, Realini. Good to see some Italians in there. But first, let's talk about Van Androy. Took the head start, kind of a Tonart scenario actually. Taking a head start, falling back, and fifth, not the place where she wanted to be. It's not not the best of weekends for um, Delinette Baloas Alliance, um, but you know she she thought she would she would do um, you know very good head start and maybe try to uh, put the others under pressure. She tried to force something. I mean her shape wasn't really up there um, in the last few races, so maybe it was kind of a desperate move. But you know we don't know. Maybe she was actually feeling good and. She was, but in the end, she was just not able to um, to maintain that pace and lost out even on the podium. It definitely does show that even though uh, she finished fifth, that there is a strong Dutch generation coming through again in women's cyclocross. Puck Pieterse, Sherin van Androy, Fem van Empel, all first years under 23 ending in the top six of this race. It clearly does show something. However, there are also some other positive things to take out of this and that's that we see uh, some Italians in the top 10 Baroni and then two others which I'm not going to say it again because I'm sure I'm mispronouncing them and um, those are definitely it's definitely good to see some Italians come through because Arzufi doesn't have it Lechner is getting old so hopefully these can step into the footsteps of Arzufi and Lechner yeah I think it's the same as uh, yesterday's men under 23 race Uh, hopefully we see them more often in the uh, Belgian races and uh, they can develop and challenge later on in their careers for some nice finishes. Yeah, um, about the names, that's <laughs> going to be a little bit hard, I guess. Um, maybe you can try it, but uh, that's maybe for another video. Um, I mean, it's good that we have such a big nation as Italy uh, up there in in the top 10. Uh, they're always um, a nation that delivers some good cyclocross riders, so it's Definitely good to see that they have some talents uh, waiting to to go to the professional level and uh, maybe do some good results there as well. Then the last thing that uh, I think we have to say about this is two disappointments. One, Riberol, 11th, reigning world champion. She doesn't have it this season. What's on with her? Uh, White pants, right? Yeah, okay, that's an explanation. If you ride cyclocross in white pants, (laughs) you, you ain't going nowhere. Then, uh, yeah, okay, that's it done for Riberol. Then what about Van der Heide? <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, for, for Van der Heide, it, it's a little bit um, a season of ups and downs. I think more downs than ups, to be honest. Um, yeah, 
you know, we knew that for her, she needed to have a very, you know, fast race, and it was actually a fast race, so that was a little bit disappointing, in my opinion, to not being able to perform well on their in 23 uh, field. Uh, but I, there is no explanation, to be honest, to be 1 minute 48 behind than, than not being in good shape. So I think that's for her going back to the drawing board and see what you can save in the rest of the season and maybe set your goals farther ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, if you would like to uh, basically point out the Van der Heide parkours in the season, uh, this would be one of them. And it's just very disappointing, uh, especially like uh, when she became, I think, world champion in her first U23 season there in Bogenza. And this is just all... Um, the development seems to be lacking in some places, which is a bit disappointing, to be honest. Yes, but I mean, she's also she also rides on the road, and there was no footage, so we don't really know what happened, because for all we know, she could have had a uh, basically what Gosselin had yesterday. Yeah, she going into last lap. Yeah. yeah, she could have had uh, some kind of incident, and it could have cost her a lot of places because she actually started this race pretty well. She was in the leading group and then um, all of a sudden she wasn't there at the front, but there was no broadcast, so we don't know what happened. She could have crashed, she could have had a mechanical, she could have collapsed, all things that are up there, but it's certainly not good for her and considering the form she has so far this season, it's still a disappointing performance because in Beringen and Rutherford she did end in the top 10 in the elites and that would mean that she should be able to at least top 5 slash top 10 in this field but we don't know that because there was no broadcast and there's no statement of course yet out from her because the race simply doesn't get that much attention because it lacks uh yeah it lacks a broadcast well I think we've discussed it then unless you guys have anything else that you would like to still bring up that they actually should take the European Championship a little bit more serious or just cancel it. Because at this point, if you're not going to broadcast races and, uh, you know, for the, for, the, for the Belgians especially to come mid-race. I mean, we live in strange times, so, you know, we should not be that harsh on the organization and the guys from the broadcasting. But, yeah, it's, 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 it wasn't really very uh, professional in a way. And the question is, what where they're going to host this next season because as far as I know it hasn't been appointed to anything I knew 2022 was rumored to go to Namur so that means that they probably do have a location for next year but where it will be held no clue probably not in the Netherlands or Belgium maybe in Germany or the United Kingdom but we will need to wait and see for that I would like to thank Twan and Istan for joining me once again thank you for hosting thank you for having me on and uh, then we will round it off here because, um, yeah, we will be back later this week with a midweek episode for the Super Prestige in Neil, which will be held this Wednesday. And there will be plenty to talk about there, considering it's the third round of the Super Prestige. Tonaj really needs to get things back together if he wants to be able to compete for the victory and the overall classification of the Super Prestige. Thank you for listening and goodbye.